Hey, good morning and welcome to the ZP Vlog and Podcast. So we like to do this vlog and podcast um, once a week and it's really just a, a summary of the news from ZP for this week. So we'd like to do it on a Sunday at 8am London time and we're approximately at that time so we'll go ahead and sort of uh, move forward. So one of the things that we talked about those um, this week was um, something really covering for all those who want to manufacture, manufacture electrochemical products. So at ZP... Um, I think a big part of our um, business model is to um, really help people get to market. Now, we, we try to get help people get to market by um, reducing the technology barriers um, that prevent them from getting to market. So we try to come up with technologies that say, OK, um, here's your screen printed electrodes or here's your biosensor or here's your electronics. And one of the systems that we do have um, for allowing people to do that is this um, single-purpose biosensor circuit. It's really quite neat. Um, it's a fully shielded um, potential stack, but it's more than a potential stack because it has what they call analog uh, front end, a digital back end, and it allows people to um, electronically connect with electrochemical um, sensors. This is definitely something for another time, but I do feel like the modality for test, um, one of the best modalities for test in the world is electrochemistry. You have fluorescence, you have absorption spectroscopy, you can have Raman spectroscopy, um, you can have surface plasma resonance. But generally for me, if you're trying to make a chemical and biological measurement, then I think electrochemistry is really good. And I suppose the single purpose biosensor circuit actually shows one of the reasons why. And that's because it has such a, it's a fairly small form factor. And it's very hard to think of many modalities where actually, um, you can make electronics that are so small and they will still um, essentially work. So we did talk about the single purpose biosensor circuit this week. Something else that we talked about, this is just as relevant actually to the whole philosophy at ZP, is really about technology readiness levels. Technology readiness levels is something that was um, originally invented at NASA. Um, and it's, it's, you know, it's really a good concept. It's just a way of being able to sort of try and quantify where a technology really is at. Um, because, you know, people sort of talk about their technology and, you know, some people sort of hype up its preparedness and some people are kind of more um, modest, let's say, on, on their technology's readiness. Uh, but at ZP, well, at ZP, we use, the, we use the NASA scale. So there's a NASA scale of kind of one to nine. Um, and you know nine obviously being the highest and one really just being sort of the um, idea stage and so at zp we do apply that so that we can have a kind of a grounding with our clients or our collaborators as to where the technology really is at and you'll see that um funders these days are also adopting this kind of technology readiness level so funders will sometimes depending on on the source of funding um, they may only fund one to four they may only four a uh, fund sort of four to eight um, it's very rarely people fund nine. The reason being is once you're nine, then they think, well, you're commercially ready. Um, so they want to sort of fund earlier on. But if there was kind of basic research, then they would kind of be, you know, calling it one and two. And if it was kind of more technology readiness for development, development rather, they'd be saying four and five. So we do use a technology readiness level at ZP. It's not something we've invented. It is more commonly um, applied these days. But something that's not commonly applied is the manufacturing readiness level. It's probably worth saying that you can have a really good um, or really high technology readiness level. It doesn't necessarily mean that you've really considered the manufacturing readiness level. I do feel like these two things are kind of um, are 
um, hand in hand with one another. But you, so you can have a high technology readiness level. It is, if you were making a satellite, especially let's say a satellite that was going to orbit Jupiter, that might be a, a one-off um, technology or at least a one-off system. So therefore, you don't need a super high manufacturing readiness level on that because you're not going to manufacture it. You're just going to assemble it. Um, whereas if you're trying to obviously make a low-cost biosensor system, the manufacturing readiness level is really important. So um, there is also a manufacturing readiness level, but that manufacturing readiness level assumes that your technology readiness is already high and now you're ready to manufacture it. So at ZP, I would argue that many of our sensors and technologies have good technology readiness levels and good manufacturing readiness levels. The thing that then comes up then is really application readiness levels. Um, and application readiness level kind of says that well, you may have a good, let's say, sensor, and you may have the ability to manufacture it, but do you have the capability of delivering it to my application? Let's say it's a blood gas analyzer. And in that case, um, ZP would be saying, right, well, we have to find out what the application is. So there may be still a gap, you know, in your ability to go to market. So the gap may become because actually you want to manufacture let me think of something that's quite tough, like the phosphate in river water or the phosphate in soil. These are tough applications. So even though ZP does actually have the electronics and the sensors for phosphate, whether you can continually measure phosphate in a flowing river, um, for example, for several months, that's a different, uh, that's an application and um, we wouldn't have uh, gathered the data for that. So therefore you have a gap in your application readiness level. And that also goes from one to nine as well. So Technology readiness level, uh, manufacturing readiness level, and application readiness level. They're kind of, um, they're, they all define different things, but they do kind of click together. And then I think it's really interesting because I think that um, when you're doing a startup, you need a sort of technology, you need a manufacturing, you need an application, but actually you, you've got this business readiness level as well. Um, it's funny because all businesses are sort of treated... Um, the same way but you can have a business readiness that's just one which is just sort of the idea you can have three which is really when you've got a let's say a business plan five when the key assumptions are sort of tested but really again there's a there's a grade of, sort of one to nine here and sort of if you want to be a business readiness level number nine it means you've actually been in business and you've been selling and making revenues and hopefully in profit so very few let's say startup businesses are really business readiness level number nine. Um, in fact, I'd argue most of them are, are on five or six, especially in the sort of startup community. If you're VC funded, by nature, you're not really sustainable on your customers um, because you're funded you know, by, by an investor. You're not funded or you, know, you haven't got enough customers to actually keep you afloat. So business readiness level is also a kind of useful um, parameter as well. When I say all of this, of course, we, we do have um, individual videos on the websites about these um, different business readiness levels. Um, I suppose this is a good case, actually. Um, we also did cover in our Sense It All um, webinar. So every week um, we do a Sense It All um, webinar. So on Mondays we do Sense It All. On Tuesdays we do Julie. On Wednesdays we do Food Sense. And on Thursdays we do ZP Technology. So every um, morning we do have webinars um, covering the various um, technologies that we have at ZP and on Mondays we do Sense It All um, and this week we did cover our precision uh, fermentation. So precision fermentation is really, um, you know, you have fermentation where 
Um, traditionally, it was yeast was kind of making alcohol in the brewing industry. Uh, but fermentation slash bioreactors can also be about um, reprogramming these, um, uh, I want to say, organisms to um, make more useful, well, not more useful, but make uh, specific products through um, you molecular engineer them and then they will sort of essentially make you that product. And at ZP, we're very interested in sort of glucose and oxygen and pH and also conductivity. And all these things can be used to measure the conditions within that um, fermentation. And if you can measure the conditions within a fermentation, then that means you can actually uh, control it. You know, pH is an easy one. You know, if the pH is um, suboptimal, then you can add acid or base to kind of bring the um, pH back again. I mean, this is done through um, having pH sensors um, with controllers linked to pumps and you can pump in the acid and base um, accordingly. Um, so at ZP, obviously, we do have these sensors glucose, lactate, sorry, glucose, oxygen, pH, and conductivity. So we can measure these parameters and then um, using pumps, you can actually um, affect the parameters to um, essentially keep the, keep the, um, the parameter within a set point. Um, so we did discuss our precision fermentation this week. At ZP, we're very interested in, in control because control starts with measurement and measurement can often control and start with, uh, with sensors. Um, I did mention that we do do these um, weekly webinars, so we definitely did do our um, Julie webinar this week. Um, this week we actually talked again about, um, there's a small potential stat out there called from a company called Galvanoplot. Um, it has a file form, format called GPE. We showed how um, we could um, in we could upload that data to the Julie clouds just by um, changing the file name or the file um, suffix from um, GPE, which is I think some sort of system that they've invented to a TXT or a text file, and then I was able to um, edit that text file in Excel and show that we could upload the data. So it really unlocks the value of uh, of both their potential stat and also shows the kind of uh, flexibility of Julie as well. Something else that we um, put up this week as well is that ZP we're the nice thing about ZP is um, I was talking about manufacturing readiness level earlier on. At ZP, we're constantly manufacturing sensors. So that means we can actually keep our manufacturing readiness levels um, high. If you, let's say, develop something and then you kind of don't touch it for a couple of years, then your manufacturing readiness level is deteriorating. You can't just turn it back on. You have to kind of, for manufacturing to be ready, you have to really be doing it. Um, so that said, we were talking about um, our wire electrodes recently we have these wire electrodes also for pH which is funny because it plays back into that precision fermentation that I was um, talking about a minute ago but we did put some data out there as well I mean it's you know these pH sensors that we're that we're describing in our um, websites I mean these are really on the scale of human hairs you know so they're really tiny really kind of non-intrusive um, and probably perfect for actually microfluidic um, applications when I really think about it. Um, and then I suppose finally we, every Thursday at 8 a.m. London time, ZP likes to do a webinar, um, really just talking about our broadly our technology. So we have these kind of four webinars, Sensi All Monday, um, Julie, which is our cloud system on Tuesdays, um, Food Sensor on Wednesdays, which 
is really one of our sort of flagship products for measuring the hotness of chilies. And then on Thursdays, there's the technology that kind of underpins all these technologies. And, and we like to cover that on a Thursday webinar. So we do have a webinar on Thursday, the 19th of October, and we will cover um, any questions that have um, come in for the week. So I think that sums up ZP's vlog and podcast for this week. So you can see it's been a lot about manufacturing this week and technology readiness levels, but just by helping people to understand that journey from idea to actually product. And I suppose when you strip back ZP so many times, what you're going to find out is that we're really all about helping people. I understand the science, but understanding the science with a purpose, which is actually to get them to market. Um, so I would put it this way. If you've got any questions on ZP, don't hesitate to reach out to us. It's probably worth saying that um, we have a... Um, we do, I'm going to um, East Coast USA this week, and we're going to do a corporate... Um, workshop where we're actually we're going to somebody's site and we're going to spend these basically spend the day with them teaching them all about biosensing um fabricating some biosensors testing some biosensors with them so if you'd like to have zp on site with you um don't hesitate to reach out to us and we, maybe we can organize it okay i'll leave it at that but thanks very much and as again don't don't hesitate to reach out if you've got any questions okay thank you very much